This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, in the past few weeks, everyone has been watching the action at UC Berkeley including high school students hopeful to get in. The Fuhrer, which has mushroomed into a broad battle over the scarcity of housing across the state, started when the California Supreme Court let stand a ruling forcing the university to limit the number of students it admits. Officials now say they have to cut in-person fall enrollment by 2,629 students, in part by having 1,000 incoming freshmen spend their first semester online. That freeze was the result of a lawsuit filed by a local resident group called Save Berkeley Neighborhoods. It argues the school hasn't done nearly enough to analyze and deal with its growth and that students increasingly spread into housing needed for older citizens. But the backlash has been swift and severe. Critics of the lawsuit say it weaponized environmental laws and gave a victory to NIMBYs who don't want any development near them. Legislators are now working to find ways to avoid the freeze. Yet the fact is that in Berkeley and across the UC system, which guarantees enrollment to the top 12.5% of high school graduates in the state, housing has not kept pace with the rise in students. My guests today are Chronicle reporters Sarah Ravani and J.K. Deneen. Thanks to both of you for coming on. Sarah, I want to start with you. What's the latest? Is there going to be an enrollment freeze at UC Berkeley or not? Thanks for having me, Damien. And we actually had a bit of news on Friday. Some state legislators announced that they've reached an agreement that could allow UC Berkeley to enroll thousands more students this fall. That proposal, which was introduced by Assemblymember Phil Ting, who's from San Francisco, gives public universities more time to address environmental issues before they go to court. And if it passes, so a vote hasn't happened yet, but if it does, Berkeley could proceed with sending out acceptances this fall. But, you know, we don't know when the vote is going to happen. It could happen as soon as next week. JK, the fact that that lawmakers are working quickly to try to to get rid of this freeze, at least for a while and, and not have the limit on enrollment, it really says a lot, doesn't it, about housing politics in California right now? If anybody is left in the state of California that didn't realize that we have a housing crisis. Maybe this situation at UC Berkeley has, has drawn, drawn attention to it. We always talk about jobs, housing balance, like all the tech companies hiring thousands of people and these cities not producing any housing, which just drives up costs. Well, this is like the student housing imbalance where, you know, Cal has grown its student body by 30, 35% over the last couple of decades and, uh, and hasn't built hardly any housing. And they've really just left it to private developers to fill the gap. And, uh, that's hard in Berkeley where there's always people who have a lot to say about anything that's proposed. Now, Sarah, you spend a lot of time in Berkeley. You've seen just in the covering the beat for the last couple of years, a lot of big changes in the way people in Berkeley kind of view housing and development. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I feel like 
it's become very apparent that at least on the city council level, a lot of these elected officials, they've had kind of just an evolution when it comes to how they view housing. I did a story a couple of weeks ago just about how the attitudes on the Berkeley City Council from the mayor to a couple of new elected council members in the, just in the last few years have been very pro-housing, very pro-development. The mayor himself used to be against market rate development, but now he's for market rate development, as well as affordable housing. So there's been a big shift in Berkeley just among the city's leadership. I want to go back to that suit, Sarah. Tell me about the the neighborhood group, because after this action happened, there's been a lot of scrutiny. Who are these people that had this big victory, at least for now, that has frozen enrollment? So the neighborhood group that filed the lawsuit that prompted the most recent court ruling is Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods. The president of that organization is Phil Bakavoy. He lives right next to campus. He attended, you know, UC Berkeley as a graduate student in the 80s. And he says that his group represents about a thousand people. And there's a bunch of other neighborhood groups. They all agree. They say that the university has not properly analyzed its growth impacts on the surrounding neighborhoods. And they say that because they haven't done that proper analysis, it exacerbates homelessness, housing displacement, noise, and pollution on existing residents. That means homeowners and tenants. But JK, obviously, their critics, I mean, more and more say, hey, these people are just trying to protect their property values, you know, obviously using the word NIMBY. But as well, the university has said, hey, these people are the same ones that are blocking housing over the years. That's true. <laughs> I mean, they are. They're, they're the people that would turn a planning commission meeting and over a 40-unit building into a, you know, three-year battle. Um, it was nearly impossible to get anything built in Berkeley for, for decades. And there's been a, a kind of a, a major shift in, in the politics of the city, not only the mayor, but a very pro-housing city council, perhaps the most pro-housing city council in uh, the Bay Area. I spoke with uh, Rigel Robinson. He launched his candidacy for city council before he had even graduated from Cal Berkeley his senior year, and housing was his big issue. And he's a very articulate advocate for housing, particularly on the South Side, which he represents. JK, you actually quoted a developer saying, you might not get invited to your neighbor's cocktail party in Berkeley if you're a NIMBY. I mean, how how much of a change is that from all the years that you've covered development? I mean, is that just a developer talking or is that is that spread across the city? The developer who is quoted as saying that Patrick Kennedy spent 20 years trying to build housing in Berkeley and he built about 500 units which was a lot more than the than the mighty UC system did. And so he was vilified. He was considered a, an evil, big money corporate developer for years. And now, I mean, I think people like him are, are championed uh, in Berkeley as, as part of the solution to a problem that UC is now under the new chancellor trying to build a whole, you know, thousands of units. But, you know, that's only going to be part of the of the solution because in order to bring down rents and in order to house its students, it's going to take both bigger buildings, more density, taller buildings, um, both on campus and off. All right, we'll talk about those more in a minute. I do want to take a break on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back with Sarah Ravani and J.K. Deneen. We'll be right back. 
You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, joined by Chronicle reporters Sarah Ravani and J.K. Deneen. We're talking about the fight in Berkeley over admissions and housing for students. Sarah, we mentioned People's Park and the development of dorms there. I wonder, is there any way that that could get held up? You've written a lot about it. It's a lot of student housing, but there are many people who are opposed to it because of the displacement of the historic park and other reasons. Is it a done deal? And what does the controversy over that project have to say about housing in Berkeley in general? The university has plans to move forward with it. They're going to, they say that they're planning to start construction um, this summer. There are some neighborhood groups that have filed a lawsuit against the university's development plans, which includes People's Park. And it's possible that they could file a preliminary injunction, which could delay the university from breaking ground on that site. Okay. But there was, there was obviously two big interests there, different than the current debate. I mean, you have this park that's so historic, but also, a lot of popular support for dorms there. Yeah, I mean, leading up to the university's decision to build on People's Park, there were protests there. We actually did a story about it a while back when that was first kind of heating up and talking to some of the unhoused residents that live at the park. I mean, they seemed pretty supportive of housing being built there. But then there was also another contingency of people who weren't supportive. So um, I think, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, Plans are expected to move ahead. Okay. Hey, full disclosure, guys. I have a high school junior in my house. I have a, a daughter, and her and her friends are all talking about colleges all the time. They have all of the acceptance rates me- memorized. And so this is a big deal for for a lot of young people watching this develop. And I know, JK, you've spent some time talking to students at Berkeley about the housing situation. How are the how are the young people regarding this? I talked to two, both of them were urban studies majors. One of them told me about his living situation where he shares 110 square feet with a roommate and he wakes up every day with the guy's smelly feet, like two feet from his face. Um, and this other guy commutes from Fairfield. He lives with his parents because he can't afford uh, to pay rent in, in Berkeley. And this guy, it's a lot of money to drive to Berk- from Fairfield to Berkeley every day. So he, uh, he often takes the bus to El Cerrito and then BART and then another bus to get to campus. And, you know, the whole thing takes an hour and a half. And he said he really, he's missed out on, on campus life because it's, it's just so hard to get there. So is th- was that an argument for less students or more housing or both? For more housing, yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, these people were, these, these kids that I were talking to were clearly of, of the, the Yimby generation where they, they want to build a ton of more housing so that people of all income levels um, can, can live in Berkeley. Sarah, I want to go back to you. This debate has played out very publicly, obviously. People are very emotional. The university has done, I, I think a lot of people have has observed that they seem to be sort of winning the PR war 
in part because people are really pissed off. Um, they don't want to see less students at school. It's already hard to get in enough. You have a lot of parents. What what are the the groups that are that are suing? How are how are they sort of responding to the fact that a lot of people have rushed to the side of the university? That's a really interesting question. I mean, when I was talking to them just this week and last week after the court's decision, I mean, they're very aware of the university's PR play. They're very aware of what the university is saying, but they're very focused on the court. So what's going to happen next? How are they going to make sure that they hold UC accountable? And they have the support of their neighbors. So they seem to be in a pretty positive place, very aware of what's happening. But, you know, they say, well, the courts agreed with us, so we must be doing something right. And they are making sort of a long-term point, right? You can have more students, but there's a lot of stuff that you have to guarantee first. Exactly. Yeah. So, Sarah, what's what's next here? If people want to follow this story, how is it going to unfold? I think the next big things to kind of look out for is to see what happens with these new state bills that could potentially um, help UC and not having to slash its enrollment. And also the other, there's another state bill by uh, State Senator Scott Wiener that could exempt UCs, CSUs, and community colleges from the CEQA process altogether. So those are two really big statewide, you know, statewide legislation that's coming that you should look out for. And then finally, I mean, Save Berkeley's neighborhoods, they're going through the appellate court process on this exact issue. So there will be more court hearings in July. And there's other lawsuits to tune into as well. So, And as a civil action, Sarah, I mean, they could come to a deal, right? They could come to a deal. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah Ravani, J.K. Dean, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Damien. Thanks to my guests today, their Chronicle reporters, Sarah Ravani and J.K. Dean. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.